Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Hey, I want to start tonight, we're jumping back into our Amazing Grace series. Last week we talked all things mental health, but tonight we're back into Amazing Grace, learning all about how good God's grace is uh, to us and just how amazing it is. But I want to start tonight by asking you guys a question. Um, Have you ever had the thought... Am I really saved? You know, like, you know, like when you wake up from a nap and you're kind of thinking weird things. It's like, you know, like, am I really saved? Will I really get to heaven? Because if I'm honest, I have that thought from time to time. I'm just sitting there thinking, am I really saved? Is Jesus really at work in my life? And the reason for this is because, you know, I'm getting in the Word and I'll use this uh, Scripture for an example because we're going to use it in our Galatians series, Amazing Grace. You know, the fruits of the Spirit. I'm reading it and it says, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, a byproduct of of having Jesus at work in your life and having His Spirit within you is that you will see these things. You'll see love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, you know, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. And I look at these things, I go, Wow. They're so beautiful, you know, like they look so, yeah, I would like those things in my life. And then I just, you know, God, just show me how I'm doing all of those things in my life. Just remind me how loving I can be. Remind me how gentle and kind and patient I can be. And what he brings to mind is yesterday when Rachel's like, hey, what do you wanna do for dinner? And I said, I would really like some sushi. I love sushi, absolutely adore sushi. Rachel apparently has to be in the mood for sushi. So, you know, she's like, no, I don't feel like, I don't feel like sushi. I said, well, I feel like sushi. So, you know, like I feel like we're at a stalemate here. What's going to happen? I didn't have sushi, you know. Like. <laughs> so I also didn't get sushi and I wasn't very kind to my wife. And I was like, oh, sorry, Jesus. Didn't have that kindness thing going on. Then the other day I'm driving home from work and you know, you've finished work. You just wanna get home. And also, cause I have like about an hour before Rachel gets home where I can play the PlayStation, you know, and not have any consequences for it. Like just play the PlayStation. And so I'm like, I'm really busting to get home. And there's this guy driving 85 on the gateway in the left-hand lane where I need to turn off to get onto Wynnum Road. Why do people drive slower than the speed limit? Who in their right mind goes, you know what, I would like to get the place I'm going slower. (laughs) I really hope I get there late. You know, I really hope I just don't get there as fast as I possibly can. Like they intentionally are driving 15 kilometres an hour slower. Like you can't even tell me you're looking at the speedo when your car says 100. Like, come on, like you're driving slow. Anyway, I'm getting very agitated and very frustrated at him. I don't normally beep the horn, but this time just gave him just a little toot just to see if he could get across the lane because I was trying to get past and, you know, may have referred to him as being a turtle and, you know, all of those sort of things as you just drive past and I go, yeah, not very patient, not very gentle, definitely not very kind. And then finally, I'm thinking maybe I've got self-control. Maybe I've got that sorted, you know. Maybe I've got self-control. And you know, for me, uh, self-control is about food and trying not to eat too much food. And so when I go to Subway, I have a rule that I try and just get a six-inch sub. Notice the word try. Try and just get a six-inch sub. Because time and time again, I seem to get to the line and uh, she says, excuse me, what would you like? 
And I've been thinking in my head, six inch Italian herbs and cheese, chicken fillet, you know, that'll be good. And all of a sudden I'm ordering a foot long Italian herbs and cheese, chicken fillet with double meat and bacon, you know? And it's like, oh, what have I done to my wallet and to my waistline? You know, like this is a battle that I face every time I get to Subway because I just love the chicken classic. But anyway, all of this is to help you understand that there's times where I look at my life and I go, I don't feel like I've got uh, evidence of God at work in my life. I feel like I'm trying to have more self-control, I'm trying to be more loving, I'm trying to be more kind. And I just feel like time and time again, I'm not quite living up to it. And I go, maybe, maybe it's because Jesus isn't at work in my life. Maybe it's because I'm not really saved. Maybe it's because I'm, I'm just not getting in. Maybe I'm just not good enough. But then I get thinking to myself, no, Ben, you are good enough. You are. Think about it, Ben. And I started thinking about it. I'm a pastor's kid. I've got church attendance sorted. I'm not even kidding. Like, I've got church attendance sorted. I'm about to explain some math to you that is going to blow your mind. All right? So I've been going to church every single week, basically, since I was born. But I was conservative in this. So the first 18 years of my life, I averaged... 48 weeks of attendance. And I averaged out, because we had two services, that I probably went 1.2 services a Sunday. So I did the math for that. I was like, yeah, that's cool. Got a number. Can't remember it now. Just got the total in my head. But uh, then I had two times a Sunday for 48 weeks of the year from when I was 18 to when I was 25. Then I came up here and now I do three services a Sunday. And that's been for the last 18 months. And I added it all up. Have a guess how many church services I've been to. Anyone? No one. Great. Well done. Just have to say a number, but that's okay. We'll get there later. Um, All up, I have been to 1,931 church services. Conservative estimates. That's if I only go 48 times a year. Yeah, that's not including carols or any of that sort of stuff. 1,931. And so some point, middle of next year, I'm going to bring in my 2,000th church service. Now, I don't know what Jason's got planned. I don't know what the creative team's got planned. (laughs) But there will be a banner. (laughs) Congratulations, Ben. 2,000 church services attended. Now, to put this in perspective, because you're probably thinking, I've been to church a lot too. Well, I did the math on that as well. I thought, how many years of church attendance have I crammed into my life? And so I divided... My number, 1,931, by 48 weeks of church attendance for every year. You know, just again, being conservative, you're having a bit of annual leave and you're only going once a Sunday. And that is the equivalent of 40 years of church attendance in 27 years. I don't want to brag, (laughs) but I'm good. But to put it in even better perspective, the general trend is that people come to church every two or three weeks. So I divided that number by 26 it would take you 74 years to get there if you only come fortnightly. And I thought to myself, wow, you're telling me I can walk into church, look at that seven-year-old woman and say, I've been to church more than you and I'm 27. I'm better than you. (laughs) I don't really know that. She's probably way better than me. Let's be real. She's 70. She's old. She's sweet. But I was like, wow, I could actually feel pretty good about my church attendance. I could feel pretty great about that. I didn't get into my Bible reading because I didn't want to embarrass anyone. But I've been to church a bunch And yet at the same time, I could feel really confident in my church attendance, but I also feel in moments that I'm not really saved. 
I was starting to think about this. I was like, what is it that causes me one moment to feel uncertain about my salvation and the next moment to think I'm probably the best Christian in the room, you know, like because I go to church just so much. And what I realised was I think it comes back to the fact that I'm looking to other things to validate me. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, we get that. That happens a lot. But I realised it's because deep down, I have these moments where I wonder if I'm enough. Where I wonder if I'm the exception to the rule, you know, like, oh, you know, Jesus alone saves, except for Ben, you know, like, you need to go to church at least 3,000 times to get in. You know, I, I just wonder, I look and I go, maybe I'm not enough. And it causes me to look to these external factors that influence how, how I feel about myself and my salvation. And you guys will probably have had a similar experience. Maybe uh, we'll make it a little bit more real for you. Is anyone here in sales? Anyone here in sales, like you work in a store and you've got to like sell stuff to people? Okay, a couple of hands. If you have been or you are, you'll probably understand that you probably have sales quotas. You've got to hit certain goals. You've got to achieve certain marks. Um, And for many of us, we'll step into a new job and we'll feel uncertain about whether we're good enough to do that job. And we look for these things to tell us if if we're doing an all right job. And for many of us, we go, sales, I need to sell a certain amount of stuff. And one week, you might be starting your early days and you feel like you're not sure how you're doing. And then you have seven bridal parties walk in, all with 10 guys. You're working at Roger David, RIP Roger David. But you know, like you're working there and you've got like seven bridal parties with 10 people. That's 70 suits. And for some reason, they all want two suits because they're just not sure what the sun's gonna be doing on the day and they need different shades of blue to make sure that they get the right shade for the day so the photos look perfect. And you're just like, I've just sold 140 suits. I've smashed my quota for the next year. You know, like I've made that much money. You feel like the greatest salesperson going around. The next week though, no one's buying boo for you because they realise Roger David's liquidating and uh, no one wants to buy any of your stuff anymore because you know, it's like $3 and like, oh, it doesn't have that same, uh, same ring to it. You know, Roger David, Roger David. It's like, no, they're the ones going out of business. No one's buying anything. And all of a sudden you feel unsettled and uncertain about your salesperson. You're like, am I any good? Can I do this? Am I all right at my job? And for us, I would again hazard a guess that in this room there are people here who feel uncertain about their relationship with God. Maybe for some of you, you're searching about Christianity. You're like, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm really not sure actually if God would want me because you don't really understand some of the things that I've done in my life. And I don't really know if I can follow all these rules that you guys seem to have. I don't know if I can do all that sort of stuff. So I'm not sure if I'm enough for your God. Maybe some of you, you're here and you are a Christian and you wrestle with this all the time. You feel uncertain about what's going on for you. You just feel like one week I feel great. I'm walking walking into church, double hands raised. Worship hasn't even begun because I just feel so close to Jesus. And yet the very next week, you're walking in going, I'm not even sure if I should be in his presence. Because you're looking to external factors to determine how you're doing. And the thing that I have realised about this is when we look to these things to tell us if we're enough, we become enslaved to them. Like for me, one week, I could have a really great week of youth. We get like 150 kids here and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm the greatest youth pastor going around. But the next week I only get 100 and I feel like, what's going on? Obviously I'm terrible, I should lose my job. You know, like, because I'm a a slave to those numbers. And you might be a slave to something just as simple as your Bible reading plan. I just cracked a new PB, 22 day streak on my YouVersion Bible app. I know, huge numbers. It's because I read the physical thing, okay? 
I read the physical thing. You don't get a, a reward for that. Uh, but we get enslaved to these things. We get enslaved to them. And all of a sudden, the joy in each of these uh, beautiful things gets removed. And so what I want us to look at tonight, if we're looking at amazing grace, how can this grace be so amazing if we feel like we're enslaved by what comes with it? How can this grace be so amazing when we feel like we're enslaved to what comes with it? And so to the answer that question, we're gonna jump into Galatians chapter five, verses one to six. So if you've got your Bibles or your YouVersion Bible app and you wanna increase your streak for the day, open it up and we're gonna read from verses one to six. And it says this. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by your yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. For who I... You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Is faith expressing itself through love. See, Paul is wanting to make a statement to us about freedom. You know, and very clearly he says that Christ has come to set us free. But in the Greek, it literally says, for freedom, he freed you. See, the purpose of Christ coming to die was not just to pay the penalty of our sins, but also for us to have freedom, for us to have this sense of fullness of life that comes with being in Christ. The difficulty that I think we face as Christians, though, is this living in freedom. It's this living in freedom. And I genuinely believe it is because we recognise that for each of us, there's something a little bit off. There's something a little bit broken about us and there's something that we think makes us the exception to the rule. See, for me, I know I'm far from the perfect pastor. I'm far from the perfect husband. I'm far from the perfect friend and son and I'm far from the perfect follower of Jesus. And so it's easy to begin to think because I am so far from it, because I'm broken, because there's something wrong with me, maybe the circumstances and situations and rules are different. Maybe there's something different that is required of me. And the church of Galatia is a church full of broken humans. And I believe that they're people who are struggling with the exact same issue, the same issue that we all face. Is there something different and wrong and broken about me? Am I enough just on my own? And the reason I think this is so dangerous is because when we don't realise it and we have this mindset, we are susceptible to anything. And so the Galatians are just looking for someone to tell them, here's something else you need to do. And so these people come in and they're preaching to the Galatians saying, it's not just Jesus, it's also circumcision. Because, you know, you can have faith in Jesus, but now when you're circumcised, you're part of God's chosen people. You've got the heritage right, you've got the faith right, you're good to go. And the Galatians, looking for some sense of validation of their faith, believe them. They believe them. Now, we can look back and laugh, you know, circumcision doesn't get you saved, you know, circumcision isn't what makes you right. It's having no tattoos that makes you right, you know, like that's what really gets you in the gate. No, I'm just kidding, obviously. Otherwise, I'd be stuffed, you know, like 11 tattoos down, it would be all sorts of trouble. But 
I do think that for us, we do look for things to validate us. And the reason that I think this is so dangerous is because these things aren't designed to do that. See, the law was given to us, and often we think to help guide our lives. Yeah, it does a little bit of that. But the law wasn't there to help us know if we're okay. The law wasn't there to help determine if we're doing a good enough job. The law wasn't designed to do that. And so see, for us, we need to understand that maybe some of these things that we're looking to aren't designed to validate us as people. So think about it. I've got 1,931 church services attended. My church service looks pretty good. You know, maybe for you, it's your Bible reading. You get up and you read two or three chapters of the Bible every single day. In fact, you read the whole Bible in a year, every year. Maybe some of you, you crack it out twice in a year because you just crush Bible reading. Maybe for some of you, it's the fact that you know that you pray for at least 10 minutes a day because you time it. You know, you set an alarm and you go, all right, God, 10 minutes, here we go. I'm gonna pray and I know that everything will be okay. Um, Maybe for some of you, it's your tithing. Maybe tonight you were really generous and gave God 10.3% of your income because you had a 50 and it's normally 49.70. You know, like maybe you did that. You're probably feeling pretty good right now. Maybe for some of you, you serve in three ministries. Look at you. You serve like on the welcome team, youth and kids because you love every one of God's people, no matter their age. Well done. You know, like all of these things are fantastic. But when we look to these things, when we look to these things to make us okay, I probably should have pre-unrolled that. Um, We're asking them to do something that they weren't designed to do. See, the Bible was never meant to validate you as a person. The Bible was never meant to make you okay. Prayer was never meant to validate you as a person. Prayer was never meant to make you okay. And so when we do this, we end up asking these things to do things they weren't meant to do. But ultimately, it has an outcome for us as well. I should have put them further back too. Look at that, long rope. Um, It was like, oh, we make them do things that they weren't meant to do and it has a consequence for us too. So because we're looking to them to make us okay, we're looking at it and going, oh, I think that's good enough. I think I've got enough church attendance there. It's like asking, (sighs) way too much rope. Don, Don got me 10 metres of rope. And it can carry apparently 1,350 kilograms. So thanks for the encouragement to lose some weight, Don. (laughs) But we see that it actually becomes a little bit anxiety inducing because I'm gonna ask these crates to lower me to the ground. Now, firstly, imagine I'm up really high. I'm a little bit scared of heights because I go, if I was meant to be up this high, I would be born with wings. Um, So I'm gonna pretend to be abseiling off this down to the ground. Now, we've already got a mattress because you guys already know what's gonna happen. It's not gonna be pretty. But when we ask these things to do things that they weren't meant to do, all that happens is it induces a sense of anxiety. Like, I'm already feeling nervous. I gave myself whiplash this afternoon practicing. (laughs) Hannah tried to teach me how to fall properly. Everything's coming back to me. I'm actually a little bit nervous. Anyway, ignore that. Sorry for my back being to me. I'm I'm crying, okay? (laughs) But when we ask these things to happen, what happens is you can see that it's beginning to move. And you go, oh, actually hang on a second, I don't know if my church attendance is quite good enough. I just need to go to church maybe three times next weekend. And you know what? Maybe I'll pray for 15 minutes, get that all sorted. And next week I'll give 10.5%. I'll put an extra 50 cents in with my $50 note. And uh, I think we should be all okay. Yep, that looks a little bit better. We'll be good. We'll be good. We'll be good. And you're like, all right. Oh man, I nearly fell. Here we go. (laughs) I'm actually genuinely nervous, but I think it should be okay. But when we ask these things to do it, when we go, you know what, can you please make me feel okay? 
it has about as much chance as this crate <laughs> oh, of, of stopping me from falling. Thank you. I overcame my fear. It has about as much chance as those crates of holding me. Look at that knot, anyway. It has about as much chance of that happening. And what actually happens when we ask these things to do that is we fall into slavery to them. We fall under their control because we're so concerned about these things making us okay that we will do whatever it takes to make sure that everything within them is okay. I've been to church regularly. I haven't missed a week in like three months. Everything's okay. I'm okay between me and God. And we fall into anxiety because we're worried about our performance. We fall into stress. We fall into performance management. We fall into all of these things that lead us to pretend like everything is okay when really it isn't. And I think that that's the first thing we have to understand in this. Sometimes the greatest freedom is to realise you don't have to pretend. And that's the first thing we need to get. I genuinely believe the first thing we need to understand if we want to walk in the freedom that Jesus has for us is we have to be willing to admit we aren't enough. We're not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not enough to get into heaven. I'm not enough to get saved. And actually, that's okay. There is a freedom in not having to pretend anymore. There's a freedom in being able to admit that actually, this is the situation as it is. This is the situation as it is. And this is what Paul's trying to get us to understand. Because the moment, he says here, if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Because the moment we let these internal rules, we let these, uh, these behaviours that we're trying to use to let us be okay determine that, we are fully enslaved to them. And Christ is of no value to us anymore. Because we're focused on the behaviours and not who's behind the behaviours. We're not focused on that. And so, as Christians, I think we kind of believe this inherently. We, if I was to say, do you believe you're enough to get saved? Most of us in the room, if we were professing Christians, would say, no, I'm not. You know, Jesus died for my sins. He died for my sins because I couldn't pay the penalty for them. He was what gets me saved. Jesus is what gets me saved. But I think that what we, ha- we kind of live in is I genuinely believe, we almost believe this lie that Jesus saved us wipe the slate clean, and then we've just got to do a job to keep it as clean as possible until the end. It's like, okay, Jesus has made me kind of all right enough, and now I've just got to manage it until the finish line. And we might not declare that with our mouths, but we live that with our lives. We live that with our lives. And see, Christ actually wants us to understand He wants us to understand that all of these things that we do, these great things that we encourage you to do, it's great to pray, it's great to read the Bible, it's great to be in church, it's great to give, it's great to serve. He wants us to understand one key thing about them. And we see it in verse six. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision. Now circumcision, Paul's using as a metaphor for like the law, you know, following the rules, obeying all the commandments, making sure you're doing all of the right things at all of the right times in all of the right moments so that everything is right, religion. He's saying that, nor uncircumcision, which is irreligion, you know, just doing whatever you want, whenever you want, living the life, getting up with it, you know, ignoring God, doing whatever you want, sometimes sticking it to God because you're like, stuff you God, you know, I'm doing my own thing. Neither circumcision, religion, nor uncircumcision, 
irreligion has any value. Any value. And the word here that's used is this word that can kind of be used and interpreted as prophet. P-R-O-F-I-T. I was, was going to spell it the other way. P-R-O-F-I-T. None of these things, whether religion or irreligion, has any value, has any profit, is able to make us any better, any more okay, any more enough. None of these things are able to do that for us. Because the freedom we're looking for is this. The freedom is the willingness to say, you know what, I'm not enough, but Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Now, the reason that we need to do this is because when you have faith in Christ, you can realise that actually he's enough. Now, again, the problem with preaching is I only thought of this idea on Thursday, so I don't get into my weight training to lower myself down. But as you can see, you can get pretty low with Christ because actually faith in Christ was designed that way. We were actually created to be able to admit that we're not enough, but that Christ is enough. And that with him, we can actually live a life that says, you know what, I don't have to be enough because Christ has done it all for me. I can live trusting in him. And the reason this is so important, the reason this is so important is because this is where we really start to get our freedom. We've kind of so far just unpacked what stops us from having freedom and how it really is slavery and how we can trust in Christ. But here is the really, really great freedom that we find in Jesus. And the really, really great freedom is here in two ways. Firstly, when we finally are willing to admit that I am not enough, but Christ is enough, there is firstly a freedom of our conscience. There's a freedom of our conscience. See, this is the moment when you realise that you've been set free from guilt, shame and condemnation because your failures no longer speak to who you are and to your worth, to your value, to whether you're enough for God because whatever self-imposed rules you made yourself follow to be okay will no longer define you, will no longer determine your worth, will no longer determine whether you feel good about yourself and your relationship with God or devastated and distant. That's the gospel. That's freedom because you were never meant to live that way. Christ never designed us to be people who came to faith in Him and then were limited and enslaved to our own self-imposed rules, to our own things that we look to to make us be okay. And so when we finally realise that Christ is enough, we're able to realise that actually I don't need to feel the shame and guilt that I carry when I feel like I haven't lived up to my self-imposed standards. But it's like I haven't lived up to these rules and expectations that I feel like people are putting up around me. All of a sudden, the weight of guilt, shame and condemnation just begin to lift off you. And I don't know about you, but I believe this is something that our generation needs more than anything. I believe that part of the reason we struggle with so much anxiety and depression is this, it's a complicated thing, but because we are a generation that carries so much shame, guilt and condemnation because we look around at everyone else and we see all of these things they're doing, all of the incredible things that make their life seem so satisfying. We think, if I can do this, maybe I will get that. And then we make all these self-imposed rules that we carry in our lives, whether it's a spiritual thing or just even in our own relationships, and they bind us and they enslave us and we lose our sense of freedom. The second type of freedom that you'll experience is a freedom in your motivation. 
You'll realize that the spiritual practices and God-given rules weren't made to be measuring sticks. You weren't made to you know, have this Bible so that you could see how many times you've read it in a certain amount of time and know that you are okay. But they were designed so that you could find freedom and walk the path of freedom with these tools and with, these, with this equipment that would be able to help you have a new confidence and a new freedom in God. Because you spend time with Him, you know Him, you understand Him, and you walk with Him. Finally though, what you'll realise is that when you get this freedom, you'll have a greater relationship with Christ. You just have a greater sense of who He is and what He's done. Because you'll feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm distant, I'm off, I'm feeling far away from Him. Oh, that's moving, there we go. But actually, no matter how far I feel, Christ is at the other end of the road. Actually, no matter how far I fall, and if I fall off, like Christ is at the other end of the rope. And actually, that Christ is all I've ever needed. Christ is all that it takes because I only need to have faith in Christ alone because that is how it was designed to be. That is the life that I can live. I don't need to look to these other things that weren't designed to make me okay, that weren't designed to bring purpose and fulfillment to my life when it was Christ alone who did. And this is the shift that you'll see happen, just in how you relate to these, uh, I think, to each other and to these principles. See, I'm married to the lovely Rachel down the front here. Hey, how you doing? Good. Thanks for replying. It's like when I text her sometimes. Hey, babe. No, she's great. Uh, But I, I love Rach, and I care a lot about Rach, but what I'm learning in marriage at the moment is that there's times where I feel like I'm not being a great husband, And so the first thing I want to do is try and show her that I am a great husband. And for me, that's cleaning the dishes. And so like, you know, like, oh, the dishes are out. I feel bad about myself. So here we go. I'm just going to scrub away all my sin, shame and guilt. You know, like I'm just going to go for gold. And what I realised is that actually just recently we were talking about this stuff. And I said to her, sometimes I really don't feel like I'm enough for you. I really don't feel like I'm enough. And so sometimes I feel like I'm serving you just solely out of this desire to make you love me to actually make you not want to leave me and go see someone else. And she's like, what are you talking about? I made a commitment to you. I said, I'm never going to leave you and I'm going going nowhere else. And I I married you knowing all of these weird and annoying things about you. You know, like I knew what I was getting into and I signed up for the long haul. And it was one of those moments where I was like, wow, that's, that's true. Like she signed up for the long haul. She's not going anywhere. So now I don't need to do the dishes to earn her love. But now it's different. I don't do them to earn her love. I do them because I am loved by her. You know, and I just want to express that back to her. And when we get this with Jesus, we actually realise that that's the shift that happens and that's the freedom that we find. That actually, we don't need to do these things. We don't need to live our lives perfectly to be loved. We desire to do them because we are loved. We desire to do them because God's grace is so amazing that we don't have to earn it. We don't have to be good enough to keep it. It's just given to us time and time again. And we can rest in that love. We can rest in that peace. And so for you, I genuinely believe that when we get this, you will experience a love and a peace and just a comfort and a confidence that you can only find in Christ because you will finally throw off the weight of being enslaved to these things that were never meant to make you okay. And in fact, what I most love about this passage is in verse five, we see this. It says, for through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Which is a special word for us tonight, the word await. To await something is to wait for something. 
And waiting isn't something we strive for, it's something we anticipate. When you order that beautiful new shirt or that great new CD, no, no one buys CDs anymore, we all stream it. But you know, like when you buy that new thing, that book or that, that clothing item, whatever it is, and you are waiting for it to be delivered, is there anything you can do to speed up the process? No. Is there anything you can do to make it come to you sooner, to make it happen? No. Because you can just wait for it to arrive. And Paul, I love this. Instead of Paul saying, guess what, guys? No, it isn't circumcision, but it is something else. He says, no, it isn't circumcision. It isn't the law. All of this, this sense of peace, this sense of comfort, this sense of feeling okay within ourselves, this sense of knowing that we are loved by God is something that is given to us by the Spirit if we will await it, if we will wait for it. Actually, Paul's saying we don't need to do anything more other than just come to God and just wait for what it is that He wants to give to us. Just wait with eager expectation for what it is that He wants to give to us. And so for some of you, tonight you're gonna make the decision that you're gonna be set free from whatever it is that brings shame, guilt and condemnation to you. And I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's something like, just as simple as you're like, anytime I feel like I don't read the Bible, I feel completely neglected. I feel like God is just wants nothing to do with me. Maybe for some of you, it's actually an addiction that you're gonna be set free from because you've been turning to it, trying to say, you know what, maybe if I do this, I can just pretend that I'm okay. Maybe if I just have you know, two or three drinks, anxiety will leave and maybe then I'll just feel okay. But whatever it is that you've been turning to, whatever it is that you've been looking to, to try and make you feel okay in yourself is really just been enslaving you. Whether it's a religious, spiritual practice, whether it's an irreligious, just wild living kind of thing, it's enslaving you. And tonight Jesus wants to give you the freedom that He freed you for. Tonight Jesus wants to give you the opportunity to be set free in a whole new way, to know a peace, and a love and a comfort that just comes from knowing you don't have to do anything else. You aren't enough, but Christ is enough. And I believe that when we finally get this as a church, we'll be people who invite people into freedom, not into religion and rules. That when we finally realise we don't have to be enough, we can let go of the law and the expectations we place on each other. And instead we can help them learn that they also never had to be enough because Christ is enough. Because I believe we live in a world where this world is crying out for freedom. A freedom from our self-imposed laws, a freedom from these things that we're enslaved to just to try and make ourselves feel like we're okay. A freedom from shame, guilt, fear, anxiety, because Jesus came to take that from them. And imagine being a people group knowing where we know we don't have to perform to be accepted. We know we don't have to be perform to be loved. That actually we can just be people who admit that we're not enough, but we're united by the fact that we're all not enough, but we're all enough in Christ. Imagine if we could get that and share that with the world around us. Imagine the peace that they would finally feel, the freedom that they would finally experience because they get Christ and what Christ really gave to give them. Not a whole bunch of rules, not a whole bunch of self-imposed things to live up to, but a freedom that says, you are never gonna be enough. But I am enough. And I died to bring freedom into your life. I died for you to experience freedom. And so tonight, what I want us to do is I actually want us to spend a moment not responding and coming to the front because I feel like that's a bit of an action, but I actually want us to spend a moment just waiting, awaiting on God. 
And what I'm gonna do is, it's gonna be a little bit different, but I want us to just spend a moment reflecting on it. I'm gonna ask us three questions, and then I'm gonna give us a moment to just reflect on them internally and dialogue with God about them. And so if you just wanna close your eyes, I mean, you can have your eyes open, but whatever helps you just to focus in on God right now. And we're just gonna spend a moment just waiting on God, because I believe that through this process, God is gonna help bring a sense of freedom into your life. And so the first thing I wanna just ask you to think about is, God, what is it that I'm looking to, to make me feel okay? Just ask Him to reveal that to you right now so that you can just begin to engage in this process. What is it that I'm looking to, that, to make me feel okay?
God, I pray that they would know that and they would live in that freedom, Lord. In your mighty and precious name we pray. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ or would like us to pray for you, please go to gatewaybaptist.com.au and let us know.